Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Philippians chapter 3, and as you do, would you say this with me? Today, I receive the Word of God. The prophet me and reproof me, convict me and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. This month I'm going to be teaching on the God of the second chance. How many of you like to, you know, sometime in your life maybe start all over? Well, I'm here to tell you that not only can you start all over, but you can start all over with a head start. Amen. You know, God is going to enable you to do a lot more. If I could just do it again. Well, sometimes we can't undo what we've done in the past, but I can tell you what, we can do it better the next time. Amen. I'm not saying that God will give you a chance to, you know, go back and live in the past and make it right, you know, but he will help you make things right in the future. We are where we're at today because of the choices we made yesterday. And if you want a better future, we need to make better choices. And you know what? When we make God's choices or God's kind of choices, then we're going to see a great future in our life. I got this letter from uh, Dr. Jerry Savelle and uh, something that he said that just goes along with what Pastor Vicky said earlier. But he wrote this in his letter this month, and it, is, it goes like this. In a prophetic word that I shared with you this year, part of the word says, in the midst of more and more chaos and disorder, I will open my hand and freely give to those who refuse to be shaken. Amen. 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 I just love to use the word refuse. I refuse to be shaken. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to, you know, put up with the devil. Amen. I, I just like that word, you know. So I refuse to be shaken. Somebody say it with me. I refuse to be shaken. So no matter what's going on around you, God's hand is still bringing breakthroughs and miracles to those who believe. Man, I am a believer. How about you? So settle in your heart never to doubt what God has said. So if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Philippians chapter 3, and the three scriptures that are going to be the theme of this month's message on the God of Second Chance is going to be Philippians chapter 3, Isaiah 54, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 17. So Paul said here in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 3, yet indeed I also count all these things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. So, when we look at this, Paul is saying, you know, you can have two types of righteousness. You can have the righteousness that is given to you and obtain through fulfilling the law, or you can receive God's righteousness, which he's already done for you. You know, we quote Romans 3.23 all the time, you know, how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then Romans 3.24 says how he has freely freely 
justified us. You know, freely costs you how much? You know, if I said I was going to give you a free tank of gas, especially today, mm, I saw some expressions going on. This is just an example, but I saw some expressions going on. You know, I know Vicky got upset with me because I stopped and got gas for $1.39 the other day at Taco Bell. But anyway, so, <laughs> gotcha, didn't I? But freely means that you didn't earn it, but it doesn't mean it didn't cost something. Doesn't mean it didn't cost something because it usually costs somebody something to give it to you free. When you buy somebody a gift and you give it to them, you had to pay for it. And so Paul's saying here, you know, he said, I can obtain righteousness through the law, or no, this one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to try to obtain righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Mm, boy, I love that, don't you? I love the presence of God. I love the Word of God. The Word of God changed me. I mean, it totally, radically changed me. It didn't happen overnight, but it changed me. You know, I was thinking about some of my high school buddies, you know, and how I've reached out to them from time to time, you know, just to check on them and see how they're doing. And, of course, to be a witness to them, ask them, you know, are they still the honorary fools they were when we were in high school? And uh, a lot of them have changed. A lot of them have given their lives to the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. You know, but when I tell them that, you know, I'm in the ministry, they go, whoa, you just, we would have never, ever, ever guessed of anybody that you would be a preacher. But the Word of God changed me. I mean, it's transformed me. It's healed me. It's helped me. And this is why we're so adamant about the Word being taught in this church. But you know what? The presence of God is also very, very important in our lives. I'm telling you, five seconds is the presence of God can do more than five hours in the presence of a good counselor. And I'm not against counselors. But I'm telling you that God can touch you in a moment. Many of you know the testimony of, you know, I was uh, probably severe ADHD, uh, pretty close to being severe anyway, and um, we were in revival. And prior to the revival, and part of ADHD is you have mood swings, and part of mood swings is being depressed and being discouraged and not knowing why, you know. And prior to this revival happening, I'd wake up in the middle of the night just out of a just great, wonderful sleep. And just, you know, anxious. And my wife would say, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I would never, ever commit suicide, but I wouldn't try to stop death in my life at this particular time. Just a, a, a heaviness of discouragement and depression came on me. You know, what was going on in your life? Everything that I was doing was successful. We had a great, successful singles ministry. We had a good job. My wife loved me. And, uh, you know, things were just going pretty well for us, you know. So there was no reason for it. But then during revival, you know, that six weeks revival we had, and a lot of times we couldn't always get into the presence of God. Now, my wife, I tell you what, she was just a spiritual drunk. <laughs> I'm telling you, she got in. I'm, I, I mean, it'd be one or two o'clock in the morning, and we, we, we were serving in a 110,000 square foot 
facility. I have to walk all through the church, you know, for about 15 minutes to find out where she was laid out at. Thank God I was a little younger back then. I'd pick her up, scoop her up, take her to the car. Oh, boy, she was in some other land that we weren't, you know, in at that particular time. But then there was a day where, you know what, I, I decided that, you know, hey, I know I have these responsibilities, but I need to be prayed for. And the man of God came and he prayed for me, and it wasn't a courtesy drop or I yielded to the Spirit. It was something just knocked me off my feet, and I was out. I'm telling you, I was gone. You know, and I couldn't tell you that I felt any different when I got up except something was different. So the revival came, and then we started, and this happened for six weeks, and we started, after the six weeks, we started getting back into our normal routine. You know, and it was probably about two or three months after that, my wife came into the den where we were living at, and she said, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, nothing. And she said, no, I know something's wrong with you, you know, and uh, are you are you believing God and not telling me that something's wrong with you? No, no, everything's fine. And about a week later, she came back in and said, so what's wrong with you? And I said, there's nothing wrong with me, okay? You know, I, I'm fine. You know, everything's good. You know, and then probably a few days later, she came in with the hand on the hip and the finger out, and, you know, <laughs> either that's a word from God or I'm in trouble, one or the other. She said, we're calling a doctor. You're going to see the doctor tomorrow. I said, why do you think something's wrong with me? She said, she said because you never came home and took a nap before dinner. And she said, you know, for the last three or four weeks, three or four months I've been watching, you come home, you get in that chair, you just fall asleep. Well, that's because I didn't have all this extra energy. And I'm not saying that, you know, that you have to have extra energy and miss a nap or anything. I'm just telling you that I didn't have all that extra energy all of a sudden. I realized I was healed of the hyperactivity. I was healed of those moments of discouragement, depression, you know, that just messed with my mind. And then I realized, you know, I, I would get articles, you know, Time Magazine or other things, and I realized that I was coming home every day just telling and re, re, uh, just reciting everything that I'd learned that day from reading, which I couldn't do before that. When I'd read something, I'd have to read a paragraph and then say, what did you just read, you know? And then I have to reread it again and reread it again, you know. And, you know, it's, it takes a lot of effort to read a paragraph five times to realize that, you know, what you just read. But I had to do that. Didn't have to do that anymore. Since then, God put it on my heart, and I went back to school, got my master's, got my doctorate, you know, and learned how to speed read and, you know, read and learn how to, you know, just absorb those things which I'm reading. That doesn't mean that sometimes I don't get distracted because I do. But, you know, in the presence of God, one moment, one church service, I was a changed person. You know, so like Paul, this is what we endeavor to do. We endeavor to know God, press into God. You know, that's the key. The key is pressing into God, wanting more of God than anything else. And the incredible thing about wanting more God than anything else is that every experience is better than the last experience that you just had. You know, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. You know, it's phenomenal. You get in the presence, you're like, wow, why didn't this happen before? Well, it probably did, but it's a new experience. You know, every time you get in the presence of God, it's like becoming born again, again. 
You know, you just know that God loves you. You just know that God's accepted you, you know. I remember one time I was just, just worshiping God and thanking God for his holiness. And I had this vision, and I walked right up to the throne of God, and there was waves of holiness coming off the throne of God, just washing everything that wasn't of God off of me. I mean, it was like a, a wave just coming and just washing away everything that wasn't God because he's so holy and he loves us so much and he is a good God. You know, the scripture says it's the goodness of God that leads, not drives, but leads a person to repentance. When people hear how good God is, he's a good God. You know, he's not up there, you know, uh, making lightning bolts to knock you off your feet or cause disaster in your life. That's not who he is. He is a good God. And so Paul was saying, you know, this one thing I wanted, I really want to do, I want to I know God. And he went on to say, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Mm. How many of you know the scripture says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you? That's, that's, that's great, but it goes on and, and it adds to it. And will quicken your mortal body. That word quicken means make alive, but it's more than just making alive like, you know, you're alive and, and all your, your, your facilities are working and your heart's beating well and your lungs working. It's be alive with his power generating his spirit inside you. How powerful is that? And this is what Paul is saying. I, I, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and being conformed to his death. If by any means, that any means that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, some, sometimes people have a hard time. Well, ha. Huh. How do, you want, how do you fellowship with his suffering? How do you obtain, you know, as Paul said here, let me go back and read it. How do you, how do you uh, uh, fellowship with his sufferings and being conformed to his death? Well, this is what Paul said later on. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless not I. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died for me, who gave himself for me. In other words, the less of me, the more him. And this is what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you know, I, I, I want to get to that place where the, it's not about me. Amen. It's not about my desires. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants for my life. How many of you know that God wants something more for you than you want for yourself? How many of you know he wants to do it exceedingly abundantly? You know, Jesus said he came to give you life. And to give it to you abundantly or beyond measure, that's the kind of life he wants you to have. That's why he said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to experience heaven on earth. You know, recently, as my wife said, you know, I reach out to pastors on a regular basis. And, and recently I was visiting uh, with someone yesterday and, and uh, just said, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, but we're living the dream. And they said, glory to God. That's what God wants for you, heaven on earth. Hallelujah. You know, finally someone's getting it besides me. Amen. Living the dream. God wants you to live the dream. Tell your neighbor God wants you to live the dream. But this is what Paul said. He said, not that I've attained. Not that I've already obtained. You know, don't feel bad if you're not there. But set a goal to get there. That's the key. He said, well, you know, I... I haven't, I'm not sure I'm deserving of it. Well, what were you trying to tell me? You need a second chance? This is the number one thing that hinders most people from receiving from God 
and that is they don't feel like they're good enough. But who are you going to argue with? I'd rather argue with the devil that I'm not good enough more than argue with God. You know, one of the things that frustrated God with the children of Israel is they just could not wrap their heads around what God wanted to do for them. You know what? And I have a feeling that still frustrates God because some of his people just don't have an understanding of what God wants to do for them or what God has done for them. Well, I'm just not good enough. And God's going, oh, myself. (laughs) You know, what tree did you fall out of? I made you good enough. I put you in right standing. You arguing with God? The, the creator of, uh, of the universe, and that's what you're doing. You're frustrating the grace of God. You're not really frustrating God, but you're, you're hindering what God really wants to do in your life when you tell yourself you're just not good enough because God made you good enough. So Paul, he's addressing this. He said, this is how you, this is how you get there. Not that I've already attained. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm not saying I'm already perfected, but I press. I press on. I press on. I press on. You know, that tells me that, you know, there is something I need to do. You know, that means I need to press towards something. You know, even if it's a tiny step, one step at a time. I'll never forget we took the singles to the Grand Canyon. My wife didn't go on this particular trip, but I took my son and his friend. And Jason was about 12 years old. And so anyway, we all, you know, we're all, you know, I mean, amateur hikers. I'm telling you, amateur hikers. We don't have the right stuff to hike in, and we're going to go to the Grand Canyon, and we're going to hike down to the base, and we're going to spend a couple nights, and then we're going to hike back halfway up to the rim and spend a night and then go to the top of the rim, and we're going to make a vacation of it with all these singles and celebrate the goodness of God and nature and all that. Well, we get there, and the weather forecast said that there was a major storm coming in. So our guide said, well, we need to hike down to the base and this is already after 12. We need to be down at the base in five hours. Well, that's a seven-mile hike on switchbacks. Well, it was downhill, you know, so, so we, we made that track. But there was a major storm coming back in, and we needed back at the rim that evening. Well, that's seven miles straight up on switchbacks. None of us were prepared to do this. And I, and I had my son and, and, and his best friend. And so we start hiking, you know, and I begin to realize about a fourth of the way up, this group's not going to make it. So I had my backpack, and I realized that my son wasn't going to make it, so I had his backpack. And I realized somebody else wasn't going to make it, and I had their backpack. Now, I don't know how much weight I had, but I realized that I wasn't going to make it. And I said, get out of my way. And I started praying in tongues. And you know how I got out of that canyon? One step at a time. One step at a time. And I felt the power of God just encourage me and strengthen me. And I got out of there and I dropped off those three backpacks. I had contacted the rangers and I was heading back down to get, get some more people. And the rangers said, preacher, just stop. We got this. And so some of the folks who were having a hard time getting out, the rangers would say, this is the way you, t- you get out, one step at a time. 
Take two or three steps and rest. Take two or three steps and rest if you have to. And this is how you press into God. You take two or three steps and you rest if you have to. Maybe one step. Maybe a half a step. But the key is just, you know, just keep pressing in. It's not how hard you press. It's the fact that you refuse to quit. You know, quitters never win. But winners never quit. You know, I believe that don't quit is so important that I have it in the back of my Bible. In fact, I believe that don't quit is so important I have it in the front of my Bible too. Just don't quit. Because quitters never win. But winners never quit. It's not how fast you get there. You're not running against anybody. You're running with someone. It's called the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He's good at waiting on you. He'll wait on you. He'll meet your need everywhere, every step that you take. He'll be there every step of the way. So he said, not that, you know, I've, I've arrived or I'm perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has also laid hold of me. So what are your goals? Where your goals should be, what did Jesus accomplish for you? He put you in right standing. Getting this righteous mentality is a major key for a Christian to be successful in this life. It's not a license to go do wrong, but it is a major key to be successful in your life. God put me in right standing. Yeah, well, you know what you did in 1978? Well, no, I don't remember anymore what I did in 1978. I don't have to think about what I did in 1978. I don't have to dwell there. I'm not pressing on if I dwell on 1978. For those who are trying to figure out the math, that's when I graduated from high school. Okay? So I don't, I don't have to think about it. You know? I, I don't need to resurrect my past. In fact, the Bible says that, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. That old man's dead. And the last time I checked, at least in the state of Missouri, it's illegal to dig up graves. So why should I dig up that old man? You know, he's dead. Huh? He's gone. He don't exist anymore. God doesn't even recognize him. Hallelujah. So this is what Paul's saying. I do not count myself as to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting, say forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Again, he says, I press. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he went on to say, therefore, let us, tell your neighbor, he's talking about you, as many as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. In other words, this is the way you need to think. You need to set that goal of, I'm here to obtain that which Christ attained for me. Not only righteousness, but he also obtained healing for you. You know, there's, there's a, you know, there are some medical challenges that go on in life as you get older. And so you have a choice as you get older. When you begin to not be able to function like you could five years ago or ten years ago. 
You know, I told my grandson, since I turned 60, I don't play basketball. But you know what? He convinced me to take him on. I said, but I'm 62 years old. Oh, come on, big pop. Let's just do, let's just do five points. I said, well, I, you know, I just don't want you to be sad today. And Big Pop whooped this boy. <laughs> but Big Pop felt it the next day. <laughs> That's why I don't play. But you know, you have to speak to these things. I'm pressing on. Look, okay, I'm getting older. But where does it say in the Word of God, I'm becoming decrepit? Huh? You know, so, you know, I've gotten wiser. Instead of taking my grandson on for a 25-point game, I just do a five-point game. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We just get wiser. Yes. You know? We just use some common sense. We don't put ourselves in harm's way if we don't have to. My wife and I were reminded when we were at the ocean this last couple of weeks, you know, about all the times that, you know, we had to literally go into the water at least I did, she didn't, <laughs> and pull people out of the water and save them. You know, literal life-saving situations. You know, how God used us to, you know, spare some people's lives in, in those situations. And I said, I would never do that again. <laughs> we just have to do a memorial service now. <laughs> Sorry. I don't have it. But you know what? If I needed it, it'd be there. And you know what? I don't need to give in to, you know, they say, well, when you get older, you get arthritis. No, I don't need to receive that. You know, when you get older, these things, no, I don't need to receive that. You know, I, don't, I have to press, you know, and tell myself the truth outweighs the facts. The truth does. And I'm going to choose to believe God's truth over everything. So he says, I pressed towards that which Christ. He received, he, he provided healing for me. You know, also he provided peace of mind for me. But you know, I think the greatest thing that he provided for me is the opportunity to start all over again, no matter where I'm at. You know, you can start all over. But think about it. You're starting all over at a higher level, at a higher plane with more wisdom, with more understanding, with more knowledge than you ever did. You ought to be able to get it right the second time or the third time or the fourth time. Well, how many times will God give me to get it right? As many times as you need. Amen. That's the beautiful thing about God. He's a good God. That's what he wants to do for us. So we have to press in to obtain what Christ obtained for us is what Paul was saying. Set our focus. Set those goals. And you say, well, you know, I'm not, there's so many things I need to do. And I understand. When I first got saved, you know, I mean, I was like a yo-yo. One day I was living for God, and the next day I wasn't. You know, it was just like, oh, I don't know. And, and I'd get discouraged because I felt like I couldn't. And finally I cried out to the Lord and said, you know, God, I don't know how to do this. He said, just take it one day at a time. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that to me. A young Christian, just take a, don't worry about what you're not doing that's not right. Just take it one day at a time. You'll get there. And I did, one day at a time. I gradually, my life changed. There were some things that dropped off me suddenly, but, but, but for the most part, I gradually, my life gradually changed. 
because I took it one day at a time. I worked out one thing at a time, one sin at a time, one area of my life that wasn't pleasing to God. And eventually I got there. But this word is what really helped me get there. And so we, we use the sword of God's word as a weapon to help us achieve and uh, overcome warfare in our lives. Well, go with me to Isaiah chapter 54. And we're going to camp here. I don't know if we'll get to 2 Corinthians 5.17. We probably will, but we're going to camp here for just a moment. <clears throat> as we teach on the God of second chances, just read these scriptures as often as you can. Philippians chapter 3, Isaiah 54, and 2 Corinthians 5.17. O single barren and you who have not born, break into singing and cry aloud, for you have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolated cities inhabited. Do not fear for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Several years ago, it's been now, the word of the Lord came to us. And it was in a time of, you know, just pressing into God, overcoming some challenges that were going on in our lives. And the word came to us about enlarge your place of habitation. You're going to grow. And I'll never forget, I bowed my head. I was sitting right there. I bowed my head, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know you can do this, but what about the other words that we've gotten? And instead of complaining to God, I went to the Lord and said, what is it about me that I'm having a hard time grabbing hold of this word? And the Lord said, read the next scripture. So I read the scripture that was given to us. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. But then this is what he spoke to me. What does the next scripture say? Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Okay. Neither will you be disgraced. Oh, all right. For you will not be put to shame. There's shame again. For you'll not forget the shame of, you will forget the shame of your youth. Oh, there it is again. You'll not remember the reproach or the shame of your widowhood anymore. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the challenge that you're having is shame. You feel like you're a failure and you're ashamed because of some things that hasn't come to pass. Well, I want to let you know that even though it hasn't come to pass, it's in motion. Your miracle's in motion. Your prayers are in motion. The Bible says if you pray anything according to his will, he hears you. If he hears you, he has the answers. He's already answered it. Your answers to your prayers are already in motion. Well, I don't see it. Well, you don't have to see it. Just know that it's truth and it's in motion and rejoice. Sing, old baron. Sing who haven't received your prayers. Rejoice who haven't seen your prayers because they are in motion. Amen. And the enemy would try to convince you 
because of your past or because of certain things that are maybe out of your control or, or, or you have no control of in your life. Well, you, you know, it's just not going to happen for you. And he uses shame so subtly. But in order for us to experience the God of second chance, we're going to have to forget our shame. We're going to have to let it go. So we've made some mistakes. You know, so we, we haven't passed some tests. Well, I'm here to tell you that, you know what, you'll probably pass it the next time. Don't worry about it. You will pass it. See, if you don't quit, you'll win. Winners don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Just because you didn't pass it this time, go back, study, and do it again until you pass. You know, we're in this game not for nine innings. We're in this game for eternity. There's no end to this game until we cross the finish line. And the good news is that we are guaranteed by God to cross the finish line. You're going to finish if you don't quit. You will fulfill. You will see. But we have to forget. You know, and sometimes people have a hard time forgetting. But the key to forgetting is to focus on what you want to see happen. That's the key to forgetting. It's like this. Let me ask you just to do this for just a moment and close your eyes. And I want you to begin to focus on a red refrigerator. Doesn't matter what brand it is. It can be an Amana. It can be a General Electric. It can be a Whirlpool. It can be a Kenmore. It can be a freezer at the top, refrigerator, side by side. Maybe it's one of those fancy red refrigerators that has a TV screen on it. But when you touch it, you can see what's on the inside of it. It doesn't really matter. I just want you to focus on that red refrigerator. Do you have that red refrigerator? Are you focusing on that red refrigerator? Can you see that red refrigerator? Well, I just read a study that focusing and dwelling on red refrigerators are bad for your health. It's not good for your psychic. It's emotionally depleting to your soul. So don't dwell on a red refrigerator. Red refrigerators are bad to dwell on. Don't think about red refrigerators. Whatever you do, get the red refrigerator in mind. Don't be thinking about the red refrigerator. Quit thinking about the red refrigerator. Doesn't matter what brand the red refrigerator is. Don't think about the red refrigerator. Quit thinking about the red refrigerator. What are you, you know, the red refrigerator is not your problem. Quit thinking about the red refrigerator being your problem. What are you thinking about? Huh? All right, so begin to dwell on maybe a stainless steel refrigerator. (laughs) When I was growing up, avocado was the style. We had an avocado stove and an avocado refrigerator and avocado, you know, kitchen carpet and avocado canisters. I'm telling you what, I thought I was an avocado when I was growing up. Anyway. But you know what happened when you start dwelling on something else? That's the key. You've got to discipline. This is part of pressing yourself, your mind to say, I'm not going to dwell on the past. I'm not going to think. The more you dwell on the future, the more you're going to see the future manifest in your life. That's the key. That's part of the pressing. That's part of the discipline. That's part of pressing in. And receiving. See yourself walking in healing if you need to be healed. See yourself walking in prosperity. See your, you know, if you're struggling, 
you know, to get all your bills paid for and everything taken care of financially, see yourself at the end of the month having an extra $25 in your checking account. Don't start with millions. You haven't ever seen a million in your life, so why start with millions? But maybe $25 or $50 or $100. Ask God to help you. I never forget when, you know, I, I moved to Texas and, and I went grocery shopping for the first time on my own. Man, I thought I was going to cry. It's like, you mean mom and dad did this every week? <laughs> I got to do this myself, you know? And, 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 and you know, I, I'd walk through the aisle and I'd pick something up and put it in my cart and I'd say, oh, God, I need, to, I need a deal in this. And I'd hear the Spirit of the Lord say, put this up. There's a better deal in the store. I go around one of the end caps, and they're a different brand, same thing, you know, on sale, you know, just praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, I don't know if praying in the Holy Ghost got me better deals or kept me from crying, but it got me through the grocery store, <laughs> you know, and, but God helped me because I pressed. I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't give up. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. I wasn't going to allow the enemy to stop God's plan for my life. I had to press, but you got to start somewhere. And you know what? The pressing hasn't stopped just because God's blessed us. You know, that's when the blessing will stop, when you stop pressing. You know, it's a lifestyle of pressing in, forgetting those things which are behind you. One of the things that hinders revival from happening in a lot of churches is because they've been in revival. They think God ought to do it the same way he did it last time. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's a revival that's going to sweep this nation and change this nation but it's not going to look like anything we've experienced before. I believe that with my whole heart. And that's why we have to be open. We have to, you know, we even have to forget how God brought some things to pass. Because we have this preconceived idea when we get a word from God how God's going to do it. In fact, sometimes we try to help God out to do it, don't we? You know? But God doesn't. And if we're not careful and we have a preconceived idea how God's going to do it, we might miss God doing it. And so we need to be open to how God's going to move. And this is what happened in this church years ago. I was crying out to God. I was pressing. I said, God, I want church the way you want church. You know, how does God want church? You know, do you know why we have podiums in the church today? Because when Israel was in the Babylonian empire and they wanted to have service, the Babylonians put them in an arena similar to what we have here as a stage. And they gave them the pulpit that the people who spoke poems and other things out to use as their point of contact to minister to the people. In fact, the first tabernacles and synagogues, most of them didn't even have a place to sit. Most people stood. You know, one of the archaeological discoveries of one of the temples is that they had some seating where people could sit, but most people stood. So, you know, how did this happen? Well, it's called we evolved to this, you know. And isn't it something that most churches who don't have air conditioners don't have members? I mean, you know, we, we look for the comfort. But that's not what church is about. Church is not about having a five-inch padded pew so that you can sit through longer services. You'll get that in a minute. Church is about people being hungry for God and saying, I'm pressing in. 
I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to, I'm going to grab hold of what God wants me to be. By the grace of God, I'm going to be what God says I can be. I'm going to do what God says I can do. I'm going to go where God says I'm going to go. I'm going to live where God says I can live. I'm going to drive what God says I can drive. I'm going to be what God says I can be. But it's going to happen as a result of pressing in. And so I was crying out, God, I want church the way you want church. And, you know, we've just opened up our hearts to say, God, however you want to do service is the way we want you to do service. Because usually when God does it, everybody gets blessed. Amen. Amen. It's usually the way it happens. And so we're pressing in. We're pressing in. That's why we, we're, our, our proclamation is this is the revival hub of mid-America. We are very blessed to have the presence of God in this house. Not every church is experiencing that. We're very blessed to have that. Pastor Bob gave us a word about three weeks ago and said, you're one of the greatest churches in all America. Start saying that. Praise God. I believe it. We're making a difference. You know, we don't do a whole lot, but we do some for missions, and we are touching nations. We are making a difference because we are salt and light. But you know what? In order for us to really obtain what God has for us, we're going to have to forget the past. We're going to have to just put it behind us, and we're going to have to press on. We're going to have to forget our past mistakes. Yes, God can use you too. This is an important hour for the church, and you're the church, to rise up and to obtain that which Christ obtained for you, and you're going to have to let go of some things that are in the past. I never forget the time when, you know, my parents, they used to take us camping, and these I guess they still have them there at these uh, state parks where you have firewood. Anyway, so you go to the firewood area and you get firewood. And my dad had this 1967 Dodge Polaris station wagon. And he put the back down, you know, and we kids, he'd fill our hands up with firewood. And, and we'd go put it in the back of the station wagon for the campsite. And I was the littlest. But you know what? I just could not let. At least my sister outdo me. <laughs> no, Dad, put more in. Put more in. Put more in. You know, and I couldn't carry it. And God spoke to me and showed me that illustration years ago. And he said, sometimes in order for you to get some things, you have to let go of other things. Amen. So you can be good at a lot of things, but you can only be great at some things. Yes. And sometimes there's some things you've got to let go of so that you can obtain the greater things. And that's what Paul's saying. This one thing I do. I press. I'm grabbing hold of. I'm taking hold of that which Christ obtained from me. I'm forgetting those things which are behind me, and I'm grabbing towards. I'm marching towards. I'm pressing towards those things that God has for me. And you know, God is the God of a second chance. And you might say, well, you know, I I missed it. Well, we all have. And that's why it says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul went on to say in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. Talking about eternal damnation, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's why he went on to say and exhort to Romans, listen, you're Gentiles. You don't have to worry about the law. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe he's the son of God and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.